This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. listening to goat talk with the goat doc uh i'm on the road today and i've got about a 45 minute drive according to my phone and i might get distracted at some point because i don't know where i'm going um but i thought i'd take the opportunity to get going on what is definitely going to be a multi-part series of uh podcast episodes talking about uh lactation and milk in general and utter health and milk health and all of that stuff um it's a pretty wide topic so i haven't uh (laughs) i haven't gotten notes for everything yet i've got some notes right now and i'm kind of afraid that the notes that I have are not going to get, like, either this is going to be a fairly long episode, like, more towards the 45 minutes to an hour mark, or I'm going to have to break it up into a couple. But, as usual, I'm just driving around, and we'll see how it goes. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I've been trying to be better about posting podcasts, and uh, getting back in the swing of things here. It is the beginning of October right now, if you're listening in real time, and time to be thinking about breeding. And if you've been following me for a while, you know last year I totally procrastinated on making my breeding plan, and I've totally procrastinated this year again. I really, really need to do that this weekend. Hopefully I have some time. Um... (laughs) Yeah, so hopefully all that's going well out there for at least those of you in, like, the northern hemisphere with goats that like to be very seasonal for breeding, like my Nubians. Um, And hopefully everybody's doing well. Um, If you are enjoying the podcast and you would like to help more people find the podcast and uh, spread the word, you can... uh, rate and review on apple podcasts and you can share with your goat friends that's great if you have a minute to do that and um you can find as far as getting in touch i've got some listener emails and questions and things that i'm probably going to talk about on future podcast episodes but again gotta have some time to like sit down at the computer and organize those into a note so if I'm on the road I can answer them uh so we'll we'll get to you guys but if you want to get in touch and just say hi or send me pictures of your goats or um follow me on social media uh you can find the website at goatdoc.com uh you can email me at goatdoccara at gmail.com uh you can find me on instagram at goat underscore doc where I keep saying in these podcast episodes I need to get back on the habit of um, posting on Instagram and I'm, I'm almost there. <laughs> I, I feel like I've had like a six-month Instagram hiatus right now because 2020 has been a big old bucket of blah. Um, so 
so it doesn't make me want to post on social media. But um, trying to get out of that and get back into sharing what's going on in life. Um, so follow me over there. I'm going to try to get back in there and then do something fun. Um, go at go underscore doc on Instagram. I think I said that already. Um, if you want to get like the extra inside scoop on stuff, uh, and you would like to, uh, support the podcast in a way that, uh, like you'd like to throw some dollars at it to help me offset things like podcast hosting and website hosting and actually things like buying Devin a GoPro camera so he can start a YouTube channel, which I'm probably going to talk with him about like making some exclusive content for our Patreon patrons over there and expanding that Patreon to like goat dog slash flying goat farm stuff. Um, you can check out uh, my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash goat doc. And there is also a link under the contact tab on the website. So absolutely can check all that stuff out. And um, I think that is it. And I will start talking about milk. Um, like I said, there's probably between the series of episodes, there's probably going to be some overlap about certain things. Um, as usual, like I like to start with kind of like the basics of, of something like anatomy and physiology, because I think if you have at least some understanding of that, then it's helpful to understand the other things like when things go wrong or like why things do things a certain way. So that is what I'm planning on talking about right now. Uh, as always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinarian client patient relationship with your local vet. So milk mammary glands what is what is that like this it's kind of funny because this is one of those things that like I feel like we kind of take for granted because humans are mammals goats are mammals cows are mammals there's a lot of mammals we like interact as humans we interact with other mammals probably like on a more regular basis like if you think about the different like species of animals we, as far as like which animals do we integrate into our lives as far as livestock probably mammals are the most right like we've got goats we've got cows we've got sheep we've got pigs we've got horses um we've got all of these mammals uh and do we interact with them like what is the why is it like that i guess like do we interact with them because we have these um similarities that makes sense under so we like understand how they function i don't know it's like a philosophical question and not really like that necessary but it's kind of interesting like we don't have a lot of um like i don't have more probably most people don't have a relationship with like snakes that, that people have a relationship with like goats or like fish. And I'm not saying like you, you don't, you don't have a pet snake, um, but there's not like a global snake industry. Like there is a global goat industry. That's just interesting. I'm not 
passing judgment on any particular type of species or animal or whatever, but it's just interesting to me. We, as humans, we kind of tend to share our lives with mammals more than reptiles or maybe more than, like, birds. Uh, And it's just... uh, me being weird maybe but what do we have in common a bunch of things but we're all mammals and like part of that is like having mammary glands and producing milk to feed offspring and we kind of take it for granted like milk is just like this thing right it's just the thing that happens and we don't think about it too much when I was writing notes for this and it was like well, I'm really going to get down to like nitty gritty basics here. And I mean, what is milk? What is milk? So you have to like, how do you define that? And that's one of those things where it's really hard to define the thing without just saying the thing. And you're like, well, it's milk. But milk is an emulsion or a colloid uh, of butterfat globules within a water-based fluid that also contains dissolved carbohydrates and protein aggregates with minerals. So that is like a a description of what composes milk, which is kind of wild and kind of complicated. Um, It is liquid nutrition for infant mammals. Those are some kind of fun, like, phrases that I found on the internet when I was like googling what is milk and (laughs) even google is like well milk is milk Um, but it is an emulsion or a colloid of butterfat globules within a water-based fluid that contains dissolved carbohydrates and protein aggregates with minerals so like it's interesting to me that like okay so first of all an emulsion is like a um, a way that you can get to substances that don't want to dissolve into each other to kind of stay in suspension and that's like chemistry um and uh like basically the emulsion is like broken down into tiny like the this is like water and oil don't mix right so an emulsion is usually something that is a polar liquid so that means it's like water it's hydrophilic it loves water um and something that's hydrophobic so it's doesn't like water it fears water um so usually like a fat like fat and water don't mix how do you so how do you get them to um make a liquid and stay in a liquid suspension you can make an emulsion so an emulsion is something that is just like um the fat typically is surround like broken up into these tiny tiny little bits and possibly surrounded by um the uh different molecules in order to uh, hold that fat in the so it basically looks like liquid to us so like you know that milk has a water component and it has a fat component but the fat component is emulsified into the water component and then the definition um and then like and that's an interesting kind of thing because the um you know, butter fat. So as the definition of milk says, butter fat is like the, the main kind of component. It's like the thing that's listed first, uh, in the definition of what milk is. So it's like, that's an important part of it. If you leave your milk, uh, on 
on, you know, in the fridge, your fresh milk from your goat, your fresh milk from your cow, your milk that has not been homogenized, then the fat separates because over time it's just like it's going to do that. It wants fat goes to fat, water goes to water. Those things are not really mixable and they want to separate. Um, so yeah, that's an emulsion. Um, and, uh, so then the, the fat is emulsified into the water component. And then the water component also contains, uh, the water-based fluid that contains dissolved carbohydrates and protein aggregates with minerals. So then within the water component of, um, the, there's a nice farm stand right there with like pumpkins and stuff and we have to get some decorations for our farm stand on the way home i hope i go back home the same way um the uh water component contains carbohydrates so what are carbohydrates like sugars basically so uh lactose uh is probably one of the, is like a main milk sh- sugar lactose lactation that lact part has to do with you know milk some kind of sugar that then can be easily um turned into into glucose which will be easily utilized by the infant mammal because this is liquid nutrition for infant mammals oh i know where i am now okay um and then protein aggregates. So there's different proteins in the milk too. And those like, you know, are more likely to be kind of in the water component of the emulsion um, and then minerals. So whole like milk is a liquid food. It is nutritionally complete for the species of infant mammal that it is made to feed so like goat milk is nutritionally complete for goat kids human milk is nutritionally complete for human babies horse milk is nutritionally complete for infant horses like it is designed to do that which is just wild like totally crazy if you think about it biology is nuts um So talking a little bit more about that milk, like what is milk? Um, milk tends to be slightly acidic. Um, so that's the way it is. Um, the, uh, already talked about like the butter fat. Butter fat is like the main fat component and fat is a good source of energy. I was thinking about like, I can't remember what class it was in vet school where we learned about like the different kinds of milk. It was probably like Therio or something like that where you learn about different species, infant requirements and lactation and all of this stuff. But like some fat is like an important and easy way to get energy to something, you know, to consume dense amounts of energy. Um, if you're trying to get a lot of calories because you have to grow fat is a good way to get those calories and that's why butter fat works and then it makes me think of species like um seals um and i want to say camelids too like uh alpacas and llamas uh have like really so much so much butter fat um the the seal milk is like when if you try to i work with some techs that work in like seal rehab so in Maine when the baby seals like get washed up on shore and they need to be like taken care of that like this the formula that they feed the seals is like fat it's like heavy cream there's so much fat involved in it because think about the amount 
amount of energy that those little baby seals have to use just to keep warm. Um, and they're growing fast and they need that energy. So butterfat. Um, the fat globules, so those butterfat globules vary in size uh, depending on the species making the milk. So this is why, like, if you have a cow, excuse me, if you have a cow and you have a goat, uh, goat milk tends to have smaller butterfat globules than cow milk. And that's just because that's the way they make, make milk. Um, the and what that does is that emulsion, like I talked about that emulsion, like if it just sits still over time, the emulsion kind of breaks down and separates because like attracts to like um, and entropy and all that business. Um, the So your cow milk, you take your quart of fresh raw cow milk, you take your quart of fresh raw goat milk, and you put them in the refrigerator for two or three days. By the end of the two or three days, the fat in the cow milk is going to have separated much more like you have a big thick layer of cream on the top for your cow milk and you're going to have a layer of cream on the top of your goat milk too but it is going to be a thinner layer and that you could have if you shook those milks back up and you tested them for butterfat percentage you could have them both be the same percentage of butterfat it doesn't matter um, so much that the like amount of fat in the emulsion is different or the same. Like those could both be perfect four percent butterfat whole milk um, emulsions, but the cow milk globules are going to come out of their emulsion. They're going to stick to each other more quickly because they're larger molecules. And it's just like chemistry. Um, it's like gravity. Like big things clump onto big things faster than small things clump onto small things. And then it creates a, um, a like additive effect. So then you got two cow-sized globs of milk that are like bigger than two goat-sized globs of milk, or globs of butterfat, excuse me, those cow ones are going to draw to each other with more interest than the goat milk ones are. And then those two cow ones together are going to be bigger than the two goat ones, so they're going to have even more like interest in clumping together. Um, the Butterfat remains, I mentioned this a little bit, talking about the emulsion thing. Butterfat remains in emulsion because of these molecules called phospholipids, which are really cool um, molecules that have like a tail. Um, the phospholipids are used in the body in biology for a whole bunch of different things. One of the things is um, like cell membranes and one of the things is like emulsifying things like this but basically a, a phospholipid is a hydrophilic so water loving head and that's usually the phospho part i can't remember exactly what the molecule is it doesn't matter probably matters to a chemist somewhere i'm sorry um so you got the hydrophilic head and then you've got the hydrophobic tail and it's hooked on to itself like a little it's like a little fish it's got a head and a long tail and what it does is it and then those things like to line up so you've got these little dot 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 heads and hydrophobic tails so the tails like to line up next to each other and the heads like to line up next to each other and then basically you've got something that on one side likes water and on the other side it likes fat 
So if you think about that, and then if you take that line of those things and you circle it around yourself, now you have this nice little compartment um, where you can have water on one side and you can have fat on the other side. And that is the little bubble or vesicle that can hold your butter fat and hold it in its emulsion. And that's kind of cool. And then if you have, and then to like cell membranes, if you have, then if you have, so you've got your, your circle with your hydrophilic head on the outside and your hydrophobic tail on the inside and your fat on the inside, you can make a circle like that. Or you can have a circle of two layers and that's what a cell membrane is. So you've got your hydrophobic head, your hydrophilic tail, and then you've got hydrophilic tail, hydrophobic head. So it's a two layers of phospholipids and then that's a cell membrane. And that's just like, you know, kind of cool. And once you, I find that interesting and visualizing the chemistry, like the biochem stuff always helps me. I will try to like put some pictures somewhere on the internet to talk about this, but, uh, once you can kind of I'm a very visual person so once I can visualize those things it helps me to to figure it out um okay so lots of like chem and biochem and talking about stuff like that uh so your fat molecules like your cow fat globs are bigger than your goat fat globs and then that just depends on um the species that makes them just that's what they do just the way it happens um what else is in milk um fat soluble vitamins are in milk so vitamins a d e and k those are in the fat part so if you've got an emulsion and you've got your hydrophobic head and your hydrophilic tail and you've got your fat globules inside you've got your butter fat molecules inside your fat um your fat soluble vitamins are going to be in there too um, and then you've got proteins. And the proteins tend to be in the um, hydrophilic part, so the water part of the milk. Fat part of the milk, water part of the milk. Proteins often tend to be in the water part of the milk. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to keep going with the like the chemistry biochem part of this because I'm gonna (laughs) this is totally gonna be long I'm not even gonna get through the notes that I made and I'm not gonna it's just not gonna happen guys sorry maybe I'll record another volume of this on the way home um so the um before I move on to like the protein parks I'm gonna talk about casein and that's like a hot button dairy topic lately um the the water part of the milk also contains minerals calcium phosphorus magnesium sodium potassium chloride um, and calcium phosphate is particularly concentrated in milk you know milk is like a good source of calcium right everybody likes to talk about drinking milk and having good bone health and all of these things um, and it's just like and that like it makes sense because um, growing mammals have skeletons and skeletons need calcium in order to build that bony mineral so you need to have extra calcium the body knows that the mammary gland knows that and when it synthesizes milk it's going to synthesize it with more calcium in it because that's what the infant needs in order for it to have a better survival option 
So milk, fat in emulsion, fat-soluble vitamins, protein, uh, casein, which I'm about to talk to talk about, and salts and um, sugars, all emulsified into this perfectly formulated liquid infant mammal nutrition. So, talking about the protein part of this. Casein. If you are in the dairy world, you probably have heard about casein. And I looked up some stuff about casein in order to talk about it on this episode. And it's interesting because um, casein is one of the primary... um, proteins that is found in milk. It is the largest molecule, the largest protein molecule that's found in milk. Um, and like protein, what do you do with proteins? Like the body takes proteins, it takes them apart, it puts them back in together to other things. That's, it synthesizes, like what, what happens? What is growing? It's like you put this stuff in your mouth, your digestive system breaks it down and puts it back in together into other things that are needed, which is crazy. Um, so casein is a big protein. It's the biggest protein in milk. When proteins are bigger, they have more opportunity, like, to, like, it's harder, it's more complicated for the body that's eating them to be, to be breaking them down. And it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like, the world is really just this, like, biology and biochemistry biology is really just biochemistry biochemistry is really just chemistry and biochem is really just like a bunch of carbon and hydrogen and oxygen mostly and some other stuff like pulling itself apart and putting itself back together into different ways like everything tell me something that's not about that in in like the living world um anyway I guess I'm like waxing a little philosophical this morning about all of this. Casein. Um, It's a bigger protein molecule. So with a bigger protein molecule comes more options for, or like more opportunities for the body to um, react to it, um, for it to be like more work to break it down. Um, You need enzymes to break these things down and, um, you know, a bigger thing is then it's into two smaller things and then those smaller things may have more options of different enzymes that can break it down but casein turned into a hot thing in the late 90s because um they're like this is in the cow dairy industry so the cow casein thing is definitely different from the goat casein thing um in the, I want to say the early 90s. Um, okay, so what's casein? In, just in terms of um, the go, the cow thing. is Cows make what's called a beta casein in their milk. And there's A1 and A2. And this is just something that is going, like, a cow makes beta casein in its milk. And does it make the A1 variant or does it make the A2 variant? It's only going to make one. It's a genetic basis. And that cow, that A1 cow is only going to make A1 variant. The A2 cow is only going to make A2 variant forever and ever. Um, 
is just genetically what she's programmed to do. The A1 and the A2 variants, like the structure of those proteins, and what are proteins? Proteins are amino acid chains that are these long chains and the like the chain because of the way the molecules like each other or not that like folds up in a specific way every single time but if you take that chain and you stretch stretch it all out the a1 and the a2 variants of beta casein in cows are different by a single amino acid which is crazy so it's just it's just crazy this is like so many things in biology like a genetic defect for example like that that DNA of that animal varies by like one amino acid or like one um, I forget what the things are called in DNA one base pair like the CG is is a TA or whatever they are instead like there's one little mistranscription in the DNA of this one tiny tiny molecule and it can be completely devastating for that animal um like it's crazy um so this a1 a2 is not completely devastating but the it just makes a difference in the type of beta casein that it that animal produces um a1 variant of beta casein is the most common casein subtype in most of the cow dairy producing world so the united states europe australia and new zealand most cows are a1 cows somebody in the New Zealand in the early 90s looked at these casein subtypes and said I think that A1 subtype casein is correlated to diabetes in humans and coronary heart disease in humans. I did not read these studies in depth. I will be perfectly honest. I looked at them. I looked at the abstracts. I looked at the conclusions. I kind of went through it. Um, And so this person who did this in the early 90s said, I think that, or this group, whatever, um, said that they think that A1 casein is linked to diabetes mellitus and coronary heart disease. Great. So they published the thing. People are like, oh, should we be drinking A2 milk? And for whatever reason, because sometimes things catch on, like organic food and non-GMO and grain-free dog food, um, where it just, it seems like a good idea. Um, so for whatever reason, this study latched on and people were like, we're going to start making our cows, like having our A2 cows and, uh, marketing and blah 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 so if you can convince people that they need a2 milk and then you can charge more for your a2 milk you can have a premium for your a2 milk great you created a market for yourself capitalism wahoo um the so this study was then investigated by the new zealand and australia food safety authorities and found to not really be like provable um and new zealand and australian Uh, food authorities published some stuff like a review of the literature and why this doesn't really work that well we don't really have good evidence that a2 milk actually makes a difference Um, they published that in 2009 so there's a good you know almost 20 years between the the 90s you know 20 20 plus years in the 90s and uh 2009 so 
like by that time it's kind of a delayed <laughs> delayed thing you've got somebody come out with a study that says hey this if you drink this kind of milk you're going to prevent you know have less likelihood of diabetes or coronary heart disease and then if you don't say anything about that in any official way for 20 plus years you kind of maybe missed the boat and now a2 milk is a thing so that's the a2 milk in cows we've got an a2 dairy near us um and i think they're jerseys um i was looking at a chart i think i can't remember it's either jerseys or there was a it was a um breakdown chart of casein subtype by breed of uh cow and jerseys were either overrepresented or underrepresented for a2 and i can't remember i should go back and find that it was kind of cool so that's cows and the cows you know because i live in the united states and the dairy like the cow dairy industry is probably predominantly like a, a u.s europe new zealand australia thing a lot of the rest of the world is very happy to drink goat milk um and probably i think you know i should look at like global animal numbers because I, I actually think per capita more people drink goat milk but because of the way science is and all the like social implications of um, geography and money and race and all that stuff, like this is this is a cow dairy thing that has been more extensively researched. Now we're going to talk about goats. Goats make casein too, but we don't have goats don't make beta casein types A1 and A2. Um, the pro, this protein is classified and described differently. So goats make casein, which is called alpha S1, and there are multiple uh, polymorphisms of the alpha S1 casein. The um, and like there's more different types that, that we talk about in. Um, in goats than in cows and why this has been studied in goats in particular is again because probably like the predominantly like european and united states and australia and new zealand goat industry is more inclined towards cheese making uh, probably i would i would hazard that probably more people in the western worlds drink or eat goat cheese than drink goat milk. Uh, so we've got more people interested in goat milk, in goat cheese, or goat milk for goat cheese purposes than goat milk for, like, drinking purposes because most, uh, most people are buying cow milk at the supermarket, which is fine, whatever. So the, the goat dairy industry looked at... Um, goat milk and caseins for talking about cheese so the the variants of the alpha s1 polymorphism have been noted to affect cheese yield and cheese production characteristics so like cheese yield would be like how much cheese per gallon of milk do you get if you use uh, a type uh, uh, alpha s1 variant or uh, e-type alpha s1 variant and there's a difference um then so the the variants that are currently described are a and b which are considered strong uh they are e f and n 
E, F, and N, which are considered medium. And then you can have a negative uh, variant, which does not make any casein at all, which is a null um, variant. So kind of interesting that is. Um, and because of the way this goes, you can have a mixture. So an animal could be like an AA, an animal could be an AB, an animal could be an AE, an animal could be an AF or an AN, any combination of all of those variants because there's, you know, one allele from each parent. Um, and that's just the way genetics works. The strong types, A and B types, are associated with up to a 15 higher percent yield of cheese from that milk than the weak types, so than the null type, um, which is a, a significant percentage. Um, the strong types also, you know, have a variation in, like, in the cheese production characteristics, like how long does rennet-induced coagulation of that curd take to happen? How, um, how firm is that curd after it has been processed into cheese or, you know, it's been coagulated by rennet or whatever the, the process is there. There are, like, quantifiable differences in the cheese-making characteristics of the goat milk based on which alpha S1 polymorphism it is made of. Um, the, one, the other interesting thing about those alleles is that, like, if you have a, a strong strong subtype, strong subtype, um, A-type, AA, AB, BB, um, you, that, that's a strong casein. If you have any combination of strong and medium, you're going to like, it's like you watered it down a little bit. So it's going to make both. It's going to make the strong, some of the cells are going to make the strong casein. Some of them are going to make, um, like the medium casein and it's and then generally you're going to have this blend of milk that um is a little bit less strong casein uh the and then if you have a null you're you have a you have to have a null null if you don't want any casein in it at all in your milk um then you need null null we need both um to be to not because if you've got one that makes no casein and you've got one that makes strong casein you're going to have like a blend of those two it's like an additive subtractive effect which is kind of cool um so and then like so that's why like the cheese making aspect of that has been studied in goats more than like the drinking and uh you know we don't have a thing that says you know we care about coronary heart disease or diabetes in uh, the goat milk thing though that's you know kind of been debunked in the cow milk thing too the other thing about caseins is that um so like they're is questionable whether um, there may be sensitivity like how people have lactose intolerance do people have casein sensitivity I think I saw a statistic somewhere when I was doing this research that like 1% of people may have casein sensitivity um, but um, if you are trying to get casein out of your diet because you are one of those one percent of people then you want you don't want casein you don't want uh, strong cheese making yields you want something you can drink or maybe you do want to make cheese out of it you just have to be aware that you're going to get less cheese per gallon um, and your curd is going to be different uh, 
so if you have your your weak alleles or your uh, absent negative alleles then you've got that and that you it may there may be something that uh, contributes to digestibility by particular individual humans for the casein um, yeah but we don't have um, I don't have evidence-based medicine for that. So that was, like I said, I think <laughs> kind of a little longer-winded than I expected on this topic because milk, like I said at the beginning, we kind of take it for granted, and it's one of those things that um, we like want to define the word by saying the word. What is milk? Well, it's milk. But now you know that it is a emulsification of butter fat with sugar and minerals and proteins and fat-soluble vitamins uh, that is the perfect liquid nutrition for infant mammals and is produced by the mammary gland. And uh, like I started to say, I got this, I think I'm going to talk about mammaries and milk a lot because um, it's a even though we just take it for granted as part of existence as a mammal, um, it's pretty wild. So this this part one ended up being like, what is milk? What's in milk? I'm talking about casein. Uh, part two, I'm going to talk about um, how milk is synthesized. And I'm going to maybe a little bit, some more like of an anatomy physiology type discussion. Um, and I think it's going to do it for the moment. Uh, I, come say hi online, goatduck.com. Follow me on Instagram at goat underscore duck. And I will talk to you guys next time.